tonight we're going to continue our, our study of meekness. Uh, you know, and before we do that, because we're going to spend a lot of time in God's Word, I, I just want to, you know, have a word of prayer that He'll bless our time in reading His Word. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity uh, this evening to pause out of what are surely busy weeks, a lot of activity, a lot of things going on, a lot of chaos perhaps, and we're just pausing and we're focusing on you. And God, this evening, we're going to be opening your word, and we pray that you will speak to us through your word, that you will... um, compel us to be different because we've read your word and we've internalized it and, and, and really committed to being different. God, your word has the opportunity to transform us if we'll let it. And so we pray this evening as we read your word, as we consider this topic of meekness, as we consider your servant, Moses, that we will be transformed, that we will be encouraged to be different tomorrow and the day after and the day after as we go out into the world. And in all this, we just pray that you'll be glorified. We pray that whatever we do will reflect positively back on you and on your son, Jesus Christ, and the life that he lived, the death that he died, and the fact that he rose again. And for that, we are so grateful, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So I'm grateful that Wes is leading this series on meekness. Um, I'm probably like you, I've heard the terms like humble, gentle, kind, self-controlled. I've heard those words mentioned many times in reference to meekness, sometimes even as substitutes for meekness. Um, that, that seems to be very, very common, and perhaps it's because meekness is a little bit more uh, to understand and to comprehend and to internalize and try to actually exhibit on a day-to-day basis, it might be a little bit easier for me to be gentle or to be humble or to be self-controlled. But as I look at meekness and as I've had this opportunity to dive a little bit deeper into it, I'm compelled to think that perhaps it's one of the tougher things to demonstrate, at least speaking for myself. Um, and, And you might find the same thing as we're studying meekness this quarter. Growing up in the church, I don't know if I recall a deep dive on meekness. Does anybody recall a you know, quarter or so that, we, you know, that we've dedicated to meekness? It's, it's a biblical concept. It's a Christian trait that I'm not for sure I recall a lot of deep dive studies. So I'm grateful that Wes has taken us down this path because I think we read the words, the meek shall inherit the earth, and we're like, okay, that's great. And we, we perhaps move on, again, speaking for myself, but how much have I really spent time concentrating and studying this concept of meekness. And then what about in the world? Is meekness a popular concept or a popular topic? When's the last time you heard meekness as a topic that was mentioned maybe in the news or at work? I was thinking about our political leaders. (laughs) That's probably not the place for us to go to look for people who are demonstrating meekness on a daily basis at least not in my observation. And I haven't studied the 2020 candidates for president, but I bet there are few, if any, that are saying that they are a meek type of person, that they have a meek personality. I don't think I've ever recalled that in a political leader. In sports, with sports figures and sports leaders, you know, meekness is not something that comes out. 
every once in a while you, you'll hear something like, oh, he's a, he's a monster on the field, but off the field he's a gentle giant. That's about the closest I could ever come to thinking about someone maybe being described as meek to some extent, and that's only certain, certain players. Most are meant to be aggressive and, and very action-oriented, right? Then I thought about business leaders. When's the last time you heard a business leader described as meek? You know, I just, our, we just got done with a, an annual evaluation. Our year's a little wacky, so it starts on June 1st. So anyway, we just got done with last year's evaluation. And I measured on all these leadership qualities and competencies. I measured on, you know, change agility and overall leadership and drive and execution and communication. Nowhere am I measured on meekness. They don't value meekness, right? Nowhere is that concept encapsulated. Well, what about our children? Having two older children now, a little bit older, getting older, I don't know that I was intentional in raising them with the concept, the characteristic of meekness being at their core. Mistake on my part is, you know, perhaps gentleness and self-control and these other things, these other spirits, you know, fruits of the spirit type of attributes, but I, I didn't, I wasn't real intentional about meekness. So, you know, as I, as I thought about this tonight, I thought, you know, this isn't a topic that we have an opportunity to really dive into much. And we certainly don't face it day to day, and especially in the realm of leadership, which, which is where we're going to dive in a little bit deeper tonight. Meekness is about patiently enduring the present in light of the future, right? This is the theme that Wes has been sharing with us each Wednesday night since we've started and I love this phrase. It, it, it's one of those aha moments and kind of one of those um moments as I sit there and I think about that and try to really put it into, into, into practice. You know, one of the things, I think Wes may have mentioned it his first week, sometimes meekness is confused with passive, being passive. The more I've studied meekness, the more I believe it is far from being passive. In fact, it's very action-oriented. It, it's... It's very intentional in nature. If I'm passive, eh, maybe I care, maybe I don't. Meekness is not being passive. Instead, it's being very intentional. And I, you know, as I, as I started to, to research more and really think about meekness, I, of course, I wanted to see what the world might say about meekness. And so what do you do when you want to see what the world says? You Google, right? And so I came across this really... Insightful quote, I thought, from a Psychology Today post. And, and I believe this author, I didn't dive too deep into him, but based on all of his articles in Psychology Today, I believe he might have a Christian point of view. I think that's where he's coming from. But he says, I have come to understand over the years that it takes enormous inner strength to stay meek in the face of adversity rather than get angry or quit. Meekness means acknowledging the possibility of loss and acquiescing to it knowing intuitively somehow that aggressive resistance would, prove ultimately, uh, would ultimately prove damaging and futile. And what I want to zero in is that top phrase, I have come to understand over the years, as we mature in age, as we mature in experience, is this something that is easier for us to, to, to grasp, to demonstrate, to exercise on a daily basis? As I dove into Moses, and as we'll look at tonight, I came to that thought that, you know, maybe this author here has a really good point. He has several really good points, I think, one of which is the enormous inner strength, 
but also perhaps the years that it takes to come to that realization of what meekness is, just to grasp it. I mean, you have to be willing and wanting to grasp it to begin with, and I think Moses will look at certainly must have had that willing heart because he demonstrates too much meekness for it to just be by chance. It had to be very, very intentional. But I thought about as we grow older in age and experience as well, just like Moses, perhaps we likewise will have a, a greater tendency and desire to demonstrate meekness than perhaps when we were younger. Is it fair to ask a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old to demonstrate meekness? It's not going to be their human nature, right? It's something that encapsulates a, a number of different attributes and, and, and really principles that are take perhaps some maturity, and I think we'll see that in Moses tonight. Psalm 3711. This is another reference that Wes has given us that a lot of this um, series is really based on. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. In week one, Wes reminded us that God wants us to know that he values meekness. And it's scriptures like these, like this one here, in Matthew 5, 5, that we'll read in a minute, that remind us that meekness is a valued attribute. And it doesn't matter what point in life you are, what your stage is. You can be a leader. You cannot be a leader. You can be a follower. You can be a contributor. It doesn't participant. It doesn't matter where we are in life where we find our circumstance to be, meekness is a valued attribute. And we find Moses in a number of different stages and, and situations in his life, and he chooses meekness, just like we need to choose meekness. We should patiently wait for the Lord to deliver us. Meekness is about trusting God to make things right. In what types of situations? You know, I was thinking about where can I demonstrate meekness? We're going to see one situation tonight where Moses is demonstrating it, but where can I demonstrate it? Perhaps in marriage, in parenting relationships, in child relationships, in friend relationships, in our jobs, our working relationships. What's really neat about meekness is it has a place in every scenario that we find ourselves in. I don't know that there's a scenario where meekness is not the best route to take in an adverse situation. That's reinforced here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. So the Beatitudes, right? We've heard this and we've read this for years. And admittedly, I've read through the various things that are blessed, you know, the various attributes, the various characteristics. And meek, I've kind of been like, yeah, meek, you know, gentle self-controlled, not harsh, those types of things. I've kind of substituted in words, but again, diving deep into the concept of what meek is. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So, you know, I was thinking about how important is meekness? Well, if our Savior says this is a good thing to have, a good thing to demonstrate, that's a pretty good indication that it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to focus on and a good, good attribute on which we should study. And certainly Moses, we'll see tonight, demonstrated meekness. And in one of the things that, when we read that word blessed, this is another concept. You know, I've read that word blessed, and this is the same author in Psychology Today in his post. The reason I found this, I wanted to share this with you, is because I've thought about the word blessed. What does it mean? A lot of times I think, you know, joyous, 
uh, you know, beneficial in some way, happy. Uh, but what I like is this author talks about blessed can also mean helped or assisted. And that was a little bit of a light bulb moment as I thought about it in that context. Because tonight we're going to see that Moses exercised meekness and he absolutely was helped and assisted by demonstrating that meekness. And how many times in my life do I maybe not exercise meekness and I take the harder route? I don't take the route where I'm allowing God to help me through that situation by taking care of that situation, right? And, 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 and just covering over that for me, right? Perhaps you found yourself in the same scenario, right? An adverse situation. But if we exercise meekness, I, I agree with the author, we very likely will find ourselves being helped and assisted, thus being blessed by doing just that. So this is, this is a relevant topic of meekness here that we're going to study tonight. And specifically, we're going to drill a little bit into leadership. And we're all leaders. Absolutely, we are all leaders. It may be at home. It may be at school. It may be at job. It may be you're leading an effort here at, in our church family, a volunteer scenario. All of us find ourselves leading in some form or fashion. We're leading our families, right? So, you know, the idea of exercising meekness in those scenarios of leadership is very, very relevant for us. So if you will, open your Bibles to chapter 12 of the book of Numbers. So... In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. I want to pause there just for one moment. I'd like to point out a couple things, observations that I had. First of all, in verse 3, the man. He's a man. He's a human like you, like me. I think that's a really important concept is he's taking in this scenario. Aaron, his brother, Miriam, his sister, they're criticizing him regarding the woman that he's married. It might be uh, Zipporah. It might not be the little, uh, but it might be Zipporah who they're referring to here. Regardless of who it is, they're criticizing him, his brother and his sister, right? They're doing so in a very vocal manner. They're even challenging his authority. And we'll talk about that a little bit. And so in verse 3, the idea that they emphasize the writer here, who may have been very well could have been Moses, emphasizes the fact that he's a man. So you've got Moses, the man, a human just like you and I. But at the same time, he was more meek, very meek, more meek than any other person, than all people on the face of the planet. Right? I think about, I think about we throw out time, you know, phrases like, oh, he's the greatest or she's the greatest. Right? That's just a figure of speech. This is written that he was the most meek person. So you take into account you know, just how meek he must have been 
and what his state of mind and his demeanor and his tone and his approach through this bad situation must have been, it must have been something like, you know, perhaps we've not ever seen before. Now, the word used here in the English Standard Version is meek. Some of your translations might have something else. Anybody have something other than meek? Yeah. Humble, that's very common. Anything else? There's one uh, translation that said something effective, a man with no pride. You know, again, I, after studying meekness and taking it into thought here, I, I don't know that that you know, accurately and adequately really captures what meekness is. I think a lot of people can be humble, a lot of people can have no pride, but they still may react very differently than what Moses reacts here in, in the way that he reacts. So, before we go forward and kind of finish up looking at Moses in, in this story, I want to rewind. My son Caleb has turned me on to these videos by SB Nation, and it's sports moments, and they'll take a sports moment, like, for example, 2006, Vince Young about turning into the end zone against USC and win the national championship, and they'll say, let's rewind all the way and see how we got to this point. And I love those videos. They're kind of addictive, actually, because they'll take all these cool moments, and then they'll rewind and say, well, how did this happen? How did we get here? And they're like four or five minutes long. And so I want to do that tonight. I want to rewind a little bit because, you know, we've just read Moses' reaction. He's meek. He's the meekest person on earth. But how did he get to that point? And what can we learn from that? So we're going to start off in Exodus chapter 2. So flip back to Exodus chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and said, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Verse 7, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the, mother's, or the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child away and nurse him for me and I will give you uh, your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. So yeah, I'm going way back. Do you think Moses remembered this? Well, no, he didn't remember it actually occurring. But do you think Moses heard stories of this? Do you think he heard this story? Do you think he heard the fact that his sister was involved in his, his delivery from this terrible situation, from this very dangerous situation? Do you think he heard stories and understood that God was working directly in his life to take care of this adverse situation for him so that he could, could serve a higher purpose, a long-term purpose for God's glory. You know, I'm theorizing, but I'm going to say I guess, or I would think that Moses probably knew the background here. And I'm wondering as he aged, as he experienced, does this story, the one that starts from the beginning, does he think, man, God's been with me from the moment that I was, was delivered before I even came into this, this world? I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that what I'm saying here is totally taken from Scripture in the sense that it says exactly that, but I just got to think that Moses has that on his heart 
and on his mind that God is a deliverer, and he thinks back to to that story. Chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on the burdens, looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Then he went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews are struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? And he answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill us as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Another time now, years later from his delivery from the basket, do you think, sorry, I forgot to progress that, do you think that Moses thought back to this moment in time and how he acted? I'm not here tonight to criticize Moses for doing what he did, but I just wonder Does he maybe look back at that experience in his reaction at that moment? Does he perhaps think, you know what, I might, if I had that to do over again, I might do it differently. I certainly have things in my life that I look back and say, man, I'd probably do that differently if I had another shot at it, right? I have to think that this was another pinnacle moment in in Moses' life, so perhaps it had an influence on him as he grew older. Verses 16 and 17. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. So a little bit different scenario. He's still advocating, he's still acting on behalf of someone else's well-being, but he does so in a different manner, right? Certainly we don't read that there's any type of violence that's taking place here, so perhaps the manner in which he stood up the, the manner in which he, he helped deliver these daughters uh, from, from the a situation, perhaps, perhaps he was starting to learn, or perhaps this also sat on his heart and his mind. And then Exodus chapter 3, so flipping over a few verses, we get to where God calls Moses via the, the burning bush. Verse 10, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I to, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. For many years, whenever Moses utters those words in verse 11, Who am I? I've looked at Moses and said, Man, how can this guy not have confidence in what God's telling him? God speaking to him via a burning bush. Moses has already been through so many scenarios in his life where God has to live. How can, God, how can Moses not have confidence? You know, thinking about Moses many years later being the most meek man on earth, perhaps this was one of the ingredients to meekness. Perhaps who am I is not a lack of confidence, but more a statement of who God is. Maybe it's a more, state, more a statement of, of Moses' confidence in God and Moses' own humility of himself and not necessarily a lack of, of confidence, per se. Again, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just wondering as these experiences and the, these situations build, is this building the man Moses into who we see eventually in Numbers chapter 12? 
So how do we get to this point in Numbers chapter 12? So Numbers chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt. So now we're fast-forwarding it again. Moses, at this point, has got multiple experiences, obviously, in the wilderness and so forth with, with God's people and working with God. So chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses. What does it say in chapter 2, verse 1? Anybody? Chapter 2, verse 1? The Lord spoke to Moses. Thank you. Okay, you're going to see a trend. What does he say in, in chapter 4, verse 1? The Lord spoke to Moses. Chapter 5, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses. Chapter 5, verse 5. The Lord spoke to Moses. 6, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses. And it goes on and on, especially through the first nine chapters of, of Numbers. And the Lord speaking to Moses about really important topics for his people. The census, the arrangement of the camp, the duties of the Levites, commandments, and, and all these various things. But I, I guess what I took away from it is I think about Moses in chapter 12 and all that he's experienced is that, that continual process of the Lord speaking to Moses and the, and the fact that Moses listened. And that the Lord was speaking to Moses about the type of, of people he wanted the Israelites to be, including Moses, right? That constant communication that Moses was having with our Heavenly Father. Then we fast forward a little bit into chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And the people complained in hearing of the Lord about their, about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. You know, as, as, we, as we get into Numbers chapter 10 and, and 11 there, we start to see a common theme, right? And we've seen it before but we're seeing it again. That's the idea of the Israelites complaining, right? As we, as we take a look at Numbers chapter 11, verse 10, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant, and why have I not found favor in your sight? That you, may, or that you lay the burden of all these people on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child? To the land that you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. And I am not able to carry all this alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I might not see your wretchedness. So again, Moses is in high-stress situations. Are you ever in high-stress situations? Right? Are you ever having to make a choice of how to react? Right? And then as we, as we get a little bit into, you know, back into the text that we want to finish up with tonight... I want to look at the dynamics of the, of, the, of the siblings. So what do we know about Miriam? We know that 
She's probably seven plus years older than Moses. Uh, Aaron's three plus years older than Moses, right? So he's the baby of the siblings. And I wondered if that weighed on him too, as they complained about him, as they said those things about him. And do you ever have that happen too, where perhaps the people who are closest to you say some things that you know, aren't very nice, right? I wonder if that weighed on him. You know, Miriam plays a pivotal role or pivotal part in in Moses' life, like we looked back in Exodus chapter 2, right? So she's super important to him. I have to think that he felt that way towards her. She also had a leading role. You know, she's mentioned as leading. uh, She led the women in singing after they crossed through the Red Sea. Uh, In Micah chapter 6, verse 4, God says, for I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. So she's held in high esteem, right? Aaron's held in high esteem as well. And Aaron knew that he was a more gifted speaker compared to Moses. And we know that too, right? Because God specifically said, your brother Aaron can speak on your behalf, right? Back in Exodus, right? So we think about all these dynamics that that we have with Moses and his siblings, with people, with the people that he's supposed to lead complaining. And then that brings us back to chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And Moses is presented with this criticism, this harsh criticism, this challenge of his authority that God had given him. You know, how could Moses have reacted? How would I have reacted? You know, we might have... I, I, I might have said some of these words before, like, who do you think you are, right? Moses could easily have said, you know, I was handpicked by God. Moses could have said, I'm going to put you in your place myself. But that's not what he does, is it? No. They speak out against him. They challenge who he is and his role in delivering God's people. They attempt to elevate themselves to at least equal, if not higher than Moses, And they make these criticisms of him. So the reaction, and suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. That's like worse than your mom or dad saying, come here, right? I mean, that's like, that's that's bad. And the three of them came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. So that's interesting, right? He's elevating Moses. He's, he's, I have to think that he's referencing the fact all those times we read the Lord spoke to Moses, all those one-on-one interactions. He's like, man, let me tell you, there's prophets and then there's Moses, right? I, the Lord myself, might make myself known to him in a vision. Verse 7 there, uh, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And when the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned to Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us. It's like, wait a minute, Moses didn't do this. Remember, Moses is meek, right? But Aaron turns to Moses, My Lord, do not punish us, because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when it comes out of his mother's womb. 
And Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her, please. And I think about the meekness of Moses to not react the way that he didn't react, right? To react the way that he did. And then to turn around in this situation and go to the Lord on their behalf. Wow. The Lord's acting on Moses' behalf, and now Moses is acting on their behalf to write a situation that he shouldn't have to write in the sense that he wasn't the one that did it, right? But the Lord said to Moses, if her father, in verse 14, if her father had spit in her face, should not be shamed seven days, let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she'll be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out to march till Miriam was brought in again. And after that, after that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So developing meekness like Moses. And I know we've covered a lot of scripture tonight, but you know, as I think about Moses in that moment, that very short, hey, Moses was a weak, or the meekest uh, man on, on earth. That's very simple phrasing, but how did he get there? And what really led him to that? And then thinking about in my own life and in your lives, what can we do to develop, maybe not meekness like Moses, but try to get there? You know, what are some of the things that come to mind? Well, the first that I thought of after studying this was, we need to listen to our Heavenly Father. The more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend in His Word, I think the closer we're able to get to, to developing and, and demonstrating and exercising meekness. It's that way with many attributes and characteristics that we, we strive to have, right? But I think especially with meekness. We saw that with Moses, a ton of one-on-one -on -one time with God, just a ton of, of hearing him speak and instruct and taking that in. And remember, Moses isn't perfect, right? Fast forward to Mo, uh, Numbers chapter 20, I believe. Um, you know, Moses strikes the rock instead of speaking, you know, that didn't go so well. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm just saying in this situation right? Because he's a man just like us, a human. But in this situation, he listened to his heavenly father. He, he adopted and he exercised meekness. Leverage our past experiences. How many times in our lives can we look back and we see that God delivered us? God took action in our lives. Perhaps we didn't realize it right then or at that moment, but, but we can see it. We know that God was acting in our lives. I've got to think that Moses was doing some of that as well. His ability to exercise meekness and say, you know what, I'm not going to react to this situation in Numbers chapter one and two, uh, num chapters twelve, verses one and two. I'm not going to react adversely here. I'm going to, I'm going to let God handle this. I have to think that he looked back at his past experience and, and really leveraged that. And then he did leverage and practice self-control. Again, I don't think self-control fully. Uh, describes what meekness is. I think meekness requires self-control based on, on what I've studied. Um, as a human, I have to think he might have been tempted at the moment, you know, just a knee-jerk reaction perhaps to have that type of who-do-you-think-you-are type of reaction, but he didn't. He exercised self-control. And that's a tough one, right? It's important. Self-control is mentioned multiple times throughout God's Word. We know it's an important attribute for us to have, and it's, a, it's an important ingredient in so much of what we do. And the more that we can focus on it and pray that God instills self-control in us, I think the better we'll be. So Wes always has a really thoughtful, insightful, you know, summation of the lesson. And I was like, man, this is tough to, to follow, but I thought I'd give it a shot. And, and, and what I came up with is that 
Like, you know, Numbers chapter 12 here, what we see with Moses, if we exercise meekness, we give our, our Heavenly Father the opportunity to act in our, in our lives on our behalf. The opposite of that is we, we, we aren't self-controlled, we aren't meek, we aren't humble in our responses, and usually we mess things up, right? And we don't arrive at where we need to be. We don't help others arrive at where they need to be, and we certainly don't show glory to God in that type of behavior. But when we exercise meekness, we give Him the chance, the opportunity to do something amazing in our lives that we couldn't do ourselves. And that's what happened with Moses, right? Because that event in time changed, changed everything, right, moving forward. So this evening, I, just, I encourage us to reflect and to consider, you know, meekness, to consider Moses, to consider our own situations that we have because every day we're faced with people who criticize us, who second-guess us, who want to say that they're at the same you know, they should be doing the job that we're doing, whatever it might be, and we have a choice to make in how we react. So let's close this time in a prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant Moses, who we've studied tonight. We pray, Lord, that you will grow inside of each of us the characteristic, the attribute of meekness. We pray that your Holy Spirit will strengthen us so that we can exercise and demonstrate meekness each and every day. Speaking for myself, I know sometimes I, I just am too quick to respond or too quick to speak, and, and I need to be more meek, and I just pray that you will help all of us to not let those opportunities pass us by, but instead give us hearts and minds that pause, that wait, and say, we're going to let you, God, take care of this situation. Help us to be a meek people who reflect your glory and your greatness and your love for us, and it's through your son's name that we pray. Amen.